0: this is the music snobs podcast today we're going to discuss today we are you got kind of <laughs> pitchy on that you hear that it's like puberty kicked in he does, he
1: does that a lot like a, like a like a hair grew on his testicle all of a sudden he just felt it <laughs> today we're going to discuss
0: what the hell that was my childish gambino falsetto is that what it was all right yeah me yeah, and your mama
1: mama
0: say mama
2: Welcome
1: to the B-side, Scoop, Isaac, Jahan, Arthur, the music (laughs) snorts.
0: This is the Music Snobs Podcast. My name is Arthur, your lead voice, and I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. Today's topic is the Black British Invasion. I didn't even know there was a Black British Invasion. It's a one-man crew, Jahan. (laughs) (laughs) From soul to soul, to Sampa, from loose ends to Lewis Taylor, British artists have long been at the forefront of cutting-edge Black music. But... What is it about the British that allows them to excel in a traditionally black American art form? We could probably ask Paul McCartney. Yeah, no, nah, that, <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. That was funny. But for real, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a heavy roster. Um, Jazzy B, Karen Wheeler,
2: Moni Love. Young Disciples, Omar, mm. Misha Paris, The Influence, Sade. Ronnie Jordan, Courtney Pine, Lyndon David Hall.
1: Speaking of Jazzy B, not not to go off track, but mm. the issue of Interview Magazine with Solange, where Beyonce interviewed her.
2: Yeah. There's a
1: piece on Jazzy B in that. Really? Yeah, there's a nice oh, brand, a nice wow. interview of Jazzy B in there. So yeah.
0: I have to check that out. But still, fast forward to modern times. Um, Sampa, you mentioned Solange, uh, Estelle, uh, Dornick, drummer for Jessie Ware.
2: Uh, and of the Isaac, our friend, Leanne LaHavas Le Yeah, man, loads. Neo, that's Nao, that's N A O. Jay Paul and AK Paul. Rachel Fox, Tom Mish, love both of them. Georgia Smith, Ezekiel, Zach Abel, Izzy Bizu, loads. And my band, who I love, who
1: was at the top of my list, Kano. Oh, ah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Kano, Kano's. I think if you look at the list I had, I think I had Made in a Manor, maybe like number three album of the year for me. Uh-huh. I love made in Man. I love I love Kano as an artist,
2: you know. So oh. You know what's interesting having having just mentioned Kano. What's interesting is that we had the uh, Brit Awards in the UK. The Brit Awards are I guess our equivalent of the Grammys. And in the best male category, you know, how's this for diversity? Five nominees, four of them were black in the best male category. You had Michael Kiwanuka, Craig David, Kano, and Skepta. Skepta and then the only other the only other person in the category was David Bowie.
1: I've said on record on this show that I'm a big fan of Grime. I know it's not Jahan's taste, but you know, I'm more of a fan of I I don't want to say this, but I think Skepta is and eh, he's average to me. I do like Kano a lot more as an MC. But I like what's going on and to me it's a mini movement, you know, from, from a hip hop culture yeah, standpoint over there. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I I really, really I really, really dig it. Like for real.
2: I wouldn't even say mini, maybe mini in the way that it never really permeated or hasn't yet permeated mainstream culture in a sort of unadulterated form, but it's a bona fide movement, you know, maybe not globally, but certainly, maybe not globally in the way that dubstep has, has gone global, but... But yeah, no, it definitely um, definitely a legitimate movement I think. Yeah,
1: because this it's a different sound, they present a different sound, not just a different way of emceeing, but they're presenting a different sound and, and it, it speaks to not just you know, just a British sound, but it's also so it's it's rooted in just the Caribbean sound, it's mm-hmm. rooted in West Indian sound, it's rooted in Jamaican culture. So it's it's really it's it's really just dope to me.
3: Excuse me, you're saying that right now. There's a new sound coming up. I've
1: said it on this show last year. No, no, it's, it's been, it, it's, been, I, been I, it's been, it's been, it's I been. I've said it, I think, been, early like last year years, we did a show. I, I spoke and to and it. Years I asked, and years. I don't know, I think I asked Jahan before we even started taping if he gets down with it. That's not me and it's shut down. Ring ring pussy is shut down. Hey, fashion week and it's shut down. Went to the show sitting in the
3: front row in a black jack suit and it's shut down. Shut down ring ring pussy
2: it down hey. fashion week and it down went to the show sitting in the front row in black and down and it down scoop's been on it for years it yeah. has been out for years like 10 plus years scoop's been on it for and why has the length of time it? it's been?
1: I, I don't know. I, I, that's one of those mysteries with music where you don't get why something doesn't catch on. I don't know why it hasn't permeated beside it because it's not just what they're doing from an MC standpoint. It's a look standpoint, cultural standpoint. It's musically different. It's lyrically different. I I, I don't know why it hasn't caught on. And to be honest. Is
3: this the case? Because when I say caught on, I'm not talking. I'm not Talking specifically globally, I'm just saying American. You know, national. That's answer. Yeah. Is this a case where America is not as willing to adapt? You know, other people's cultural I movements as, like as they are? You know, willing
1: to adapt ours? I don't. I, I didn't think about it that way. I personally think that it's it's where we would like to see personally. I think music going where it's, it's much more intricate, and there's more sounds involved, and it's not minimal, and it's lyrically challenging. And America's not on that right now from a hip hop standpoint they want that shit simple and dumbed down so maybe that's what the pushback is i i don't know i didn't think about what you said but that's that, that could be it too it could be a I mean i ask because i look
3: things. at i look at some of the things that are happening on television and I see that British, you know, that BBC, European, Western European influence on some of the, the television shows that are being produced here in America. Not to say that they're exactly similar, but I see some influence. So I'm just wondering why, because that's why I asked you guys, i am like, are you talking about now or are you talking about 10 years ago or 20 years ago? But if you're talking about now, I'm wondering why hasn't it, you know, permeated the way. You know that that it probably i guess that it deserves to be here yeah, in
2: the states I, I, funnily enough you guys might actually get what you're looking for because drake is really into the style and there was a tv show here called top boy it's ran for two seasons on english tv and it was about dealers in um, in east london and drake was really into the show and apparently he's helped get it picked up by netflix years later for a third and a fourth season which he's going to executive produce etc so I would expect Grime to feature in that a lot. You know, once that happens and it hits a wider audience, et cetera, that that might be what you need. But you know, to be fair as well, the tracks that I played here, they've got like thirty million views on YouTube. So it's a lot of people are watching, whether they're in whether they're only in England or wherever else, I don't know, but there's a lot of people. Also, you know, Grimes hip hop, it's not really soul. And I know Arthur at the start, you put the focus on soul, so
3: I feel a little bit in the dark here because I'm much more aware of the British influence on pop than I am on... I, I mean, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say this.
2: I am aware of the
3: British influence on soul, but not in a modern context. Yeah, Like, okay. I didn't even know... I listened to Sampha's album about three or four weeks ago. I had no idea it was British until you guys just said it a minute ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't oh, know. Wow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like... Wow. And maybe that's just a, you know, a sign of what I'm listening to right now. But I'm very much aware of, especially you know, growing up in the 80s, of the British influence on pop, you know, and, and, and to that degree. But yeah, um, that's kind of like Idris.
0: And then I saw Luther. I was like, what the hell?
3: <laughs> <laughs> he thought he's, string a bell. <laughs> mm. But I, you know, I didn't, you know, right now, in, until we had this conversation, I wasn't, you know, up on British influence on soul and hip hop, you
1: know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we've always had we've had this conversation before on air about their appreciation for black music, you know.
3: Yeah, but I recall like in that conversation, you know, like John pushed back a little bit and said, well, no, nah, it's not, you know, that we appreciate it more. It's something different. I can't remember exactly what he said.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't remember exactly either, but I think I boiled it down to the UK appreciating maybe um, alternative forms of black music a little bit more. But I do remember growing up when I used to visit America, I used to always be in envy of your charts, like what radio was playing at that time. I don't don't think it was mirrored over here like that. So yeah, it's probably swings and roundabouts basically, a bit of one, a bit of the other.
3: I feel like in that context, I can understand more because I do think there's some American pushback, especially when it comes to something that was born here, like Mm -hmm. hip hop, Mm -hmm. you know, to the point where it's like, nah, we got this, so that influence coming from The U.K. here doesn't hit as, you know, like our influence over there hits. Mm -hmm. And I think there is some American arrogance involved in in, in that. Of course. But, you know, I remember in the 80s, you know, Mm -hmm. mainstream soul, you know what I'm saying, with the shot and all that. Yeah. But now I don't hear it. You know, even like Leanne LaHavis and all the more mainstream, Corinne Bailey Ray, they don't to me. They're they're. I don't know if I would say it's influence as much as it's presence. You know, there's some there's some presence there. But as far as like directing and saying this is the direction that we're going, I don't see that.
2: Right. That bracket, that latter bracket of artists, they're a very different category to me than the neo or I don't know if you all have heard the neo album. I think Arthur has Sam for you know, even 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 cats like James Blake. I mean, I know he's white, but clearly one of the people at the forefront of black British music. They're in a very different bracket to me. They're more soulful to me. So you John, think me cats, you, you let's think say cats cause like cause that are guiding or pushing? I don't know, because I, I was just about I to ask you. Look, look, look at James Blake's impact mm. on Drake and Beyonce. Mm.
1: I guess I want to ask you real quick, John. It's like, let's think of somebody like, okay, we, we speak of Marsha Ambrosia, you know, and that uh, yes. made me think of somebody like Daly. And right. you add into like how many artists we're talking about. Can it be said that there's a, a new soul R&B movement over there that we should be accepting here in America? Is there enough unique, soul-rooted music that's happening over there, whether it's black or white artists, that we should be accepting over here that that makes it like a movement like it was before?
2: Yeah, I think the short answer is yes. I think that depending on the particular artist that you're talking about, they may be in the category that you're suggesting, which is innovative, pushing something forward and it you know may be informed by black american music it may be informed by caribbean music it may be a new uk thing or a new south london thing or whatever i think artists like neo dornick they fall into that i think artists like marsha ambrosius perhaps don't you know she's a fantastic vocalist to me Tree is a fantastic group but I think the influence there seemed just by my ears mostly Philadelphia influence on their music rather than them influencing American music. So at the time they came out you had Jill Scott, you had Erica, you had The Roots and Flowetry in my opinion grew out of that. At least with their recorded albums grew out of that. And I think that's very very different okay. from Akano or or subtract, which is 100% clearly unique individual and something very different to what any American is doing.
3: What is that? Is is there a, with those groups that you just mentioned, Jay, with current crop, is there a sound that's uniquely British soul that you can pinpoint and say, okay, this is British soul as opposed to, you know, uh, American soul?
2: Yeah, simply (laughs) read. I said the current crop.
3: (laughs) God forbid. But is is there one?
2: Yeah, I think there is absolutely. I think and I, I don't think there's one per se, uh, you know, I don't want to either suggest that all the exploratory, innovative artists that we're seeing coming out of the UK at the moment are homogenized and just have one sound or one vibe. I think they, you know, much like Soul to Soul and Courtney Pine and Omar and Galliano came up at the same time. Clearly there were a sort of central pot of influences that they drew from. They all sounded different. They all came out being their very own artists. None of them copycats of the other. This way think exactly the same is you know just take the last three or four artists I mentioned in 2017 you know a Dornick album when you hear it you know a Sanford album when you hear it they're totally different but you can hear you can sort of hear the same vibe much like you know you can hear the difference between a tribe called Quest coming out of Queens and Daylight and and yeah exactly yeah like, i guess yeah eye. i
3: guess
1: i get your point i get your point i guess what i'm asking yeah. y'all though is that there, like there's a central new York feel.
3: i'm trying to draw the a theory. line and say is there is i'm trying to figure out what you guys are saying is there a movement is there a british soul movement going on right now or is there a british or in contrast is there a outpouring of british soul artists right now you see what i'm saying yeah like he there's was a difference saying,
1: between those two, two I, I would say and Jahan's much more closer than i i would say to answer your question, it, it may come in segments from a grime standpoint of that being a quote unquote genre. If you include that as one, then that's a particular, that can be looked at and labeled as a particular movement because the sound is so sonically together. You know, like you take um, like I said, you can go from uh, a skepta to um uh to to, to Stormy. I thought that got said Smokey earlier, but you go to like Stormy and Stormy's latest project, gang signs and prayers which is kind of put in that grime genre, but it doesn't, it's it's, it's kind of like an outpost of grime because it doesn't sound like what grime is. It sounds like what grime may evolve to if it takes on more of a soulful feel. But it's still going to be stuck in that genre. Now, as a genre, that can be looked at as a possible movement. You know what I'm saying? Because they will all be packaged. And any movement is always going to be packaged. Mm -hmm. All movements are packaged. Now, you can have fractions, but it's always going to be packaged. From that standpoint, you may see a movement, but if it's not packaged, I think from the outside looking in and piggybacking on what Jahan said, there happen to be a lot of artists over there throughout the entire United Kingdom that happen to be you know, doing music that's rooted in soul and for people who appreciate soul music. And it may be too widespread for it to collectively come overseas
2: and present itself as a movement. Movement's quite an arbitrary word and it's hard to define, right? We probably have different definitions. Is there a wealth of talent in the UK commensurate to the population? While there are white people clearly engaged with extremely high levels of talent in this idiom, um, just speaking about black people, black people account for 2 to 3% of the UK's population. Compare that to United States where African Americans are 13% of the United States population. But even amongst that 2%, there is a huge wealth of talent. Whether it produces a wholly unified sound, a movement, and if we're defining movement as something that has momentum, that's something that's organized, that's undeniable to outsiders, that I don't know. That's a good question.
3: And and the other interesting point about this is that when you look at, because you are talking demographics and um, um, racial legacy here, racial heritage, You know uh black folks quote unquote black folks people of african descent in uh britain the uk you know some of them are first second most a lot of them first second generation you know Mm -hmm. their parents are not from the uk Um, whereas here you know you're talking about people who for the most part their parents been here for their generations go back hundreds of years centuries um so yeah there's a different there's a different even when i was in london there's just a different not, I'm not saying it's better or worse. We—that's a separate conversation. But I'm saying it's different. Don't think that you can transplant the black experience in America. I'm talking to, the, to our listeners. No, yeah, okay, Don't right, think right. that you can transplant the black experience in America. Take it over to to the UK, and it's the
1: same thing. It's a different it's totally thing. Different I'm sorry, thing. Did, I, did I look at you a certain way? Yeah, you look. Calm
3: down, motherfucker. You check me real quick. Calm, calm down, <laughs> you real quick. I'm you
0: sorry. know, I <laughs> hope this is still in there. context. But it—I do find it interesting that. Black artists from the UK to to be exposed in the US, they have to be handheld by another top tier black artist. Mm. You know, does es- that sound nowadays. accurate, you know?
2: Would you agree no, with that? Now, well, nowadays you're saying nowadays. Yeah, you're saying.
0: nowadays that I'm saying. For example, so, I, Drake, I never heard situation. of I, I never heard of Estelle before Kanye, Kanye was right, un- right. produced American Boy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I never heard of Sampa before two. solange brought him on snl okay you know what but
2: skeptic uh, drake 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 bought but over but here. Arthur, yeah same thing arthur i gotta say i'm i'm quite surprised by that uh-huh. like i would never have thought that because it's right in your zone in the same way that you've heard of thundercat or um the internet sanford's in that zone I'm not saying he does the same type of music but what I'm saying is in terms of that left of center underground true honest creation he and 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 he's he's covered by the same magazines you read and the same you know the same people who focus on it who focus on those artists will focus on Sanford too so you it's surprising you didn't come across him independently and see that could just be bad you
0: can chalk that up to bad filing on my part right Mm -hmm. but but still take me out of it and take you know joe schmo black consumer true right so just from from that from that standpoint you're not hearing about these people but conversely i would think that in london beyonce didn't need no introduction you know no of course rihanna didn't need an introduction well
1: here's my racist question in this whole conversation how the hell did sam smith get over here how the hell did Adele get over here? Right, without right, being right, hand here? Right, right. How did they make it without any
2: right.
0: introduction, without any American introduction?
2: Right, right. Well, we know the answer. Cause you know who
0: we haven't mentioned yet is Dev Hines. Blood Orange. Okay. Yeah. Right? Who had a one of the best albums of 2016. But right. the subclass knows that. You know, the mm. the, the below level knows that. Mm. And then we try to push it up out
2: to but, Okay, but Devil's Advocate, I'm not trying to <laughs> I'm not trying to defend the racists here, but For the people you're talking about, the people who are not aware of Dev Hines or are not aware of Sampha unless Usher or Solange gets them on a record, are they aware of anything unless it's co-signed by one of their big artists or unless it's pushed by a big marketing department at a big record label via a big radio station or big internet platform? Are they ever aware of
0: anything? Outside of hip-hop, no. We found
2: out about Adele just because it, she just was because.
0: yeah, just because
2: like just because. Okay, but okay, but but to be fair as well, we found again, out about to, Amy Winehouse just because. Adele is such a inoffensive, boring artist that so <laughs> there's so many different groups of people can get with because mm-hmm. her music is very very yeah, it's middle of the road you almost don't need to market that because it's what the population wants
0: okay let me ask this question because i i I honestly don't know was destiny's child a thing
2: in the uk yeah massive yeah okay and all 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 pop mm r&b at that time was massive here
0: so okay so what you're saying is there's always there's already a predisposition to receive quote-unquote popular black music
2: there is now and there was from that point but actually interestingly Mm -hmm. there wasn't before that so american black music in the 80s wasn't as celebrated as much you had michael jackson you had prince but maybe even alexander o'neill got a look in etc but when new jack swing started coming out that was really a movement for a small group okay a small group of a small group of fans, etc. Black music in a sort of R&B context didn't get massive amongst the mainstream here until the the mid-90s. And, you know, I don't want to paint it like those were the only groups. I mean, Soul to Soul had number ones here for a long time. Other people did too. But in terms of taking hold in the mainstream and becoming cover of a mainstream magazine status that it is now, no, not, not, I mean, you know, not until much later.
0: So with what Jazzy B was doing, was that in response to New Jack Swing, or was that something that he had already been doing? Soul to Soul was the only thing that broke up the Vice Hulk grip that New Jack Swing had on R&B. Like, the only thing.
2: That's that's a really good question. I mean, Jazzy B was part of a DJ sound connected. system. yeah, mm-hmm. sound system. yeah. yeah. And exactly. I mean, I'm saying this for the benefit
0: Which... of our listeners. I mean, I know some of this, but it's like, you see where I'm going? It's sort of yeah. like, uh, there's got to be some sort yeah, yeah, of sure. tipping
2: point. For sure. Absolutely. Jazzy Mm B didn't wake up in 1988, 1989 and say, I want to be a record producer. He was part of a sound system, like Scoop says, a DJ collective for our American Mm -hmm. listeners. You know, they're working throughout the 80s. He was on pirate radio. Pirate is what we Mm. used to call community radio. And a very, very influential figure in the London scene years before he made a record.
1: It was just funny about that. But we broken big in America was, of course, keep on moving. But it was a Teddy Riley remix. That's right.
2: right. <laughs> the an- an- it was a Teddy yeah. Riley Is remix. It right? really blew him up here. Mm-hmm. Right. That breaks my heart. Is that right? That breaks my heart. Because I was going one of the big questions I was going to ask you guys was I, I didn't know until recently. I was I was I was talking to Nicholas Payton, who was telling me that. When all that stuff came out, London was seen as an exciting place to watch because of all this music. And for a while there, yeah. American artists were looking at London like, well, what's what's the new stuff? Where's yeah. the new stuff? Exactly. Now, if it was given to you guys via a kind of coat of Teddy Riley, then that wasn't really UK music, right? Yeah. I think the only band, I think the, the only two bands, Sade
0: and Loose Ends, were the only groups that were loved by black audiences that were not introduced that were not walked into the room by other people but i will say this though loose ends got criticism based on the idea that they were ripping
2: flight time exactly yeah soul to soul keep on moving you said that that was introduced to you guys via a teddy Riley remix tell me about back to life how did america receive back to life because i can now see clearly it's been accepted by black america as a whole you yeah. can look at the film belly you know it's it's sure the opening sequence for Belly. Post- it, it, of course of course of course i that mean was that, was post, single, my, that was the second single that's what i'm saying it was second single but yeah, my point wait. but but my point is it's been accepted to such a degree that the intro to this pop crime film uses to to great effect the cappella version and then you know when the action starts the beat drops etc so clearly it resonated on those filmmakers I'm wondering did it resonate on music listeners as a whole when it came out yeah in the same yeah. way Hell at yeah. the time but there were a way, couple way,
1: things happening yeah way beyond belly too yeah there were couple there a couple things happening though Not consequential to the life of back to life as a single. but go ahead yeah
0: up. but I mean in the black community there was the rise of afrocentrism and Karen Wheeler's appearance thank you l- lended to okay. that and she was so very different than okay. the appearances of black American women in that same... What year was this? Construct. We're talking 8, about 89, 88, 90. I think. 88, 89, Jungle Brothers, so done by the forces of nature, Jungle Brothers' second album, but first major release in 1989, they featured Karen Wheeler on a song. And that was a big deal. You know, I mean, that was like a prime time feature. This may be due to the homogenization of culture
3: in general, Western culture, you know, as this, there's no... Because of uh, you know, we have a quote unquote global culture, we definitely have a digital global culture. I don't feel the connection to place anymore that I used to feel. In other words, in the 80s, when you these all these British artists, there was a connection to to Britain and London especially through these British artists. I don't feel that. Like mm. I said, I ain't not even know Sanford was, was, yeah, was like British. Yeah, like I knew mm. I knew Soul so
0: the Soul was a British. Right. Group. It's like right. there's no that's, why, that's
3: why I asked you guys earlier about the sound. Because I feel like sound is a way to create those kind of uh, spatial connections, but now I just don't—I don't, I don't oh, feel that—and I'm like, that? that's that's—and that, I'm not—I'm not putting that blame on anyone. I'm not saying it's ours. I'm just saying that in general, and I'm not talking about America I'm, I'm just talking about in general from a global perspective. Unless it's Asian, because Asian, I think music and, and culture is still so different from ours that we do feel that that ge- that geographical—it's uh, uh, not as homogenous as, as everything else, but. Even the mainstream, you know, the Adele's and the Sam Smith, there's just not, what is what is British about them? You know yeah. what I'm saying? What is yeah. what is British about their music? Yeah. That's my question. Okay, it's but like, wait, well, hang on. So let's move Adele to the side. Yeah, let's talk about the artist you mentioned, because I'm really interested in knowing.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I get it. I mean, maybe it's easier to hear if we focus on a particular style within the UK, like um, Cats Like For Hero, Subtracts, Floating Points. IG culture, bugs, burial, like that—they're very distinctly UK to me. It, like it's hard not to hear it in my view. But, you know, in in person when we've been together, I know I've played you stuff like Day Go, 2000 Black, Katie Datham, Broken Beat, and we've cruised through London listening to it. You you've mentioned how much you feel it's different to American house, and also the the surprise that you guys have over Sanford. I I just don't get it. I mean. Marsha Ambrosius, I understand. She does sound American, even to me, but Sampha, I, I don't get that at all. In fact, I would say that Solange, I know Sampha only did two tracks with her, but I would say that Solange's album has as much of an English sensibility as it does an American one. Yeah, I can see that. Cranes in the Sky, in particular, reminds me very much of 4 Heroes' work. Samford to me, is distinctly English. neo to me, is distinctly English. Jay Paul, the same, you know, I mean... Jay Paul's an interesting example. I would say that funk is probably quite a big influence for him and it doesn't get more American than funk, but at the same time, I think you can very much hear him through the music and his identity, which gives the music a unique sound distinct from its American roots. So maybe, especially nowadays, you could say these are American ingredients, but they're cooked by people in the UK.
1: I think to Isaac's point is that they still haven't caught on over here with that quote unquote mainstream artists and back then when there was the British invasion over here in the States you knew it was British music the British music that's part of this new British movement over there that has made it to the mainstream over here sounds like th- there's nothing dis- what I think he's trying to say is it doesn't sound distinctive you can't all I know where that's from you just have yeah. to find out that the artist okay. happens to be of British okay. descent. I, ex- I, but I think that's what he's... in But the lyrical I content accept- is very different. I mean, I the lyrical
0: that, content but- of black American R&B artists are very sexual in nature. I don't, what are you saying, though? I'm saying that, you know, lyrically. Yeah,
2: he's saying you can distinguish them by the lyrics.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I just, I, I feel like... and He's talking about sound, though. Well, I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about the full package.
1: But if you listen to Sade when they released stuff, we knew that the minute you heard different, that, we knew it wasn't a Different
2: rare. time, bro,
1: bro. But, that, but, that,
2: yeah, but that's, that's what I think that's, he's trying yeah, to that's,
3: say. That's, that's my point, though. That's Jay, his that point. I think that... And, that's his point. I just don't feel... And, and one thing you know, I'll say is that, you know, you have inspired me to go back and listen to some of these artists again um, to see if I can feel that distinction. But I don't I don't feel in 2017 that I'm getting the British influence and some of these British artists the way I was getting it through. And I'm, I'm talking about mainstream and, and, and non-mainstream, but I don't feel like I'm getting that the way I was getting it in the 80s. I don't feel their stamp the way I felt it in the 80s. I, you know, some of the some of the, mu- the music you mentioned, Jay, it, to me, it sounds like neo soul, you know, Sanfa, apart from his maybe his vocal technique, you know, the way he the way he kind of moves around, you know, and I'm, I'm I only listen to his album maybe twice, the way he moves around some of these lyrics and the way he um, vocalizes some things, which sounds very different to me. A lot of his music to me just sounds like that same, you know, neo soul element, you know, of, of kind of almost black easy listening. You know what I'm saying?
2: It's like- I mean, I don't know if I would use the term black easy listening, but as for Neo Soul, don't forget what precipitated it. Other than the 70s influence of like Roy, Gill, Donald, Curtis, what immediately precipitated it were all the UK acts that I talked about at the beginning. Omar, The Young Disciples, that whole talking loud scene, Lewis Taylor. Like I can't see how someone couldn't hear their DNA in The Roots, Erica, D'Angelo, etc. So perhaps I'm explaining myself poorly. I'm not saying it will ever be like truly unique, like yo, there is no similarities at all. But in that way, all black music is linked. Whether it's hip hop or soul, we've discussed this before, but whether it's hip hop or soul or funk or gospel or blues or jazz, it is all the same thing. These are just labels. And ultimately you can hear parts of one in the others pretty much at all times. Can we
3: agree upon this though, is the, sound, however you want to describe it right now in British soul, is it a more subtle variation than a dramatic variation? You know what I'm saying? Is it? Because when you talk about sounds that come out of certain regions, they're usually just here in the States. You know, if you look at regionally, you know, back in the day when certain sound you knew because it was a dramatic shift, right. the South didn't sound anything like that was ha- happening on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Is British soul in need of a more dramatic shift as opposed to these
2: subtle variations? I mean, assuming it is a priority to distinguish yourself and your sound geographically, hmm, it's a very good point and you're probably right. I think when we were listening to, if you look at Soul to Soul, if if you look at the American contemporaries to Soul to Soul, it was New Jack Swing, and they had very different sounds. If you look at the American contemporaries to Samfer, maybe Solange, um, James Blake, whoever it is there, yeah, maybe there's a slightly narrower divide. So maybe that's what you're you're feeling here.
3: Even when there wasn't a distinct difference, Again, I'm going back to eighties, say pop music. I feel that there was something British about Duran Duran. You know what I'm saying? There was just something uniquely British about mm. them. I don't I can't put my finger on it because it wasn't interesting such interesting that you say it that. wasn't such a left turn. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like they were doing something their music wasn't so dramatically different from American artists. But there was something even as a kid I just knew that there was something British about them. Maybe it was maybe it was lyrically, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it and wasn't maybe, something musically. Maybe it was video, lyrics. The visual thing. they
1: always presented themselves visually too bad. Yeah, the, same, the, yeah, the, the visual uh, has an impact on uh, that as well. Uh,
3: Hungry as a Wolf, that video looked different. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It looked different than some of these other videos. But
1: you're were, looking at John Taylor's bass line and, and the importance of him in that day and age, and there was there, was, there but, seemed to well, always well, be a soul. <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I I sort of disagree with you guys. I think that to me and, and certainly my, my crew growing up, Duran Duran were more americanized to us and and we liked them because of that Mm. um Mm. artists who were around other english artists who were around at the same time like say the smiths or something that that's quintessentially english that Mm. is you know sex pistols that's english Duran Duran, to, to us, represent... And, you know, even their videos and everything, they presented themselves as American yuppie playboys. Like, it might as well have been Don Johnson and Richard Gere in the videos.
3: So maybe they were able to take enough, a, a, a small dose of British, you know, authenticity and mm. put it in there, enough for right. Americans to recognize. Yeah, and that's probably
1: why, why that's, they blew. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, I, but, it, but I'm with you. It never sounded American to me. Yeah, there so, was something song, like different. Said, it was it. To, to, but there, there was, there seemed to be so much soul. Were the top, pop? were the top pop
3: white artists doing, you know, if you look at in the '80s and you look at the top white artists on the pop charts who were doing black-influenced music, were they all British?
0: Pretty were much. The, yeah. were the majority pretty, of them yeah. British? Yeah. Yeah. Culture Club, Michael, maybe that's it. George Shout Michael, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's yeah. it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah that, that's it.
2: So maybe maybe we're confused as to who is yep. what. Basically. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> right. We're
3: all fucked up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Great. <laughs> all right, round table. This episode's round table is called I Take It Back. Everything that we have opined on in this round ta- in these roundtable segments, if we wanted to take one thing back and just change our opinion, what would it be?
3: Okay, I can go real quick because I did. Recall this, and I, I think this is correct. I believe it was we we're doing a Beyonce topic before Beyonce, the album, dropped, which had to be three years ago by now. And I made some sort of comment or some sort of illusion about uh, Rihanna being bigger than Beyonce. And I, I, I think it started out with me saying that I liked Rihanna more than I liked Beyonce. But I think I extended it to the point where I was like, if something like, you know, if, it, if we cut it off right now, Rihanna would be bigger than Beyonce. And I could have been wrong at that point. I don't know. Definitely was wrong after the Beyonce album dropped. My personal opinion Mm -hmm. completely changed because to me that was her best album. Um, And I just, you know, it changed my perception of her. From a, you know, just looking at, you know, from the outside looking at being very uh, um, honest about it from a fan standpoint, you know, Beyonce is obviously bigger than Rihanna. I think though these two people are, are so big you know what I'm saying? Both of them were so big that at the point when I'm, at the time when I made that argument, it seemed somewhat plausible. But now, I think three years later, that's one I would like to take back because to me, it's just not true. And I don't feel that way anymore. I still, if I had to pick a catalog, I'm going to pick Rana's catalog. I just like her music better than I like. But if I had to pick a single album, I'm picking that, that Beyonce album.
1: Well, Beyonce has become so much, we talk about transcending early. She has transcended herself beyond just an artist now. She was big before, but since Beyonce and Lemonade, she's taken on this, like, she's damn near like the musical version of Oprah. Mm-hmm. Like women are bowing yeah, down to
2: her and putting her. But that's to is, me. Is, I, is I, I a agree, musician now? I agree with you,
3: but she, that's to me a negative for me. Because she's right. she's bigger than just a musician, but she's more, not in the sense of she's bigger in an artistic way. To me, she's bigger in a corporate right. way. She's a brand now. Yeah, like like, like, like Oprah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. But that's
3: to like me, that's, that's... But at the
1: time, you made the statement that wasn't true. Now it's become true. After that album, I think those two albums have made her have elevated her, for lack of a better word, to that stage.
2: All right, so I'll go next. In our very first show, Damn. we did a topic, which is no longer available, thank God. We did a topic, Amy Winehouse versus Adele. Number two, show two. Was that show two? Okay. Yep. I was very, very clear about the fact that I didn't listen to either of them and that I didn't rate either of them. I did back Amy versus Adele because I felt Amy was more authentic, but I wasn't, you know, I was like, well, I don't really listen to her. I don't really like her, etc." They say that there's no zealot like a convert mm-hmm. because I'm a Amy Winehouse stan now. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> when did this I happen? Think she's, I think she's brilliant. okay so i was on a vacation and there wasn't much to do where we were staying and we were at sea one day with like nothing to do so i watched you know i turned on the tv and the only thing they were playing was this amy winehouse documentary amy so i read a book i went to work out i sat on the deck and just breathed the sea air um had dinner had lunch tried to do everything but watch TV then came to the point that I was like alright let me watch this and there's a sequence in the movie where Amy is recording Amy's got headphones on you can't hear the music you can only hear her voice and I was blown away by her phrasing her phrasing was badass it it i had no idea my mum is Amy Winehouse's biggest fan and I listened to Frank I was blown away. I think it's a mind-blowing album. I think almost every song is fantastic. Frank, that first album, has just the right feel of modern alternative soul and bossa nova. I'm much less keen on Back to (laughs) Black. Of course. Because I think... That's the most popular one. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I'm such a stan now for Frank, particularly, and that period of her, particularly that I've gone out to get every live album, every live DVD. Uh, the Frank uh, Deluxe Edition, which has this incredible song on it called What It Is. It's a demo. Boy, I wonder if she had survived. Had we, would we have seen another album on the level of Frank? But yeah, if I could take anything back, that's the one I would take back with pleasure.
0: Arturo? One of my favorite uh, roundtables that we ever did was, uh, I forget what episode it was. But um, it was the album that you are supposed to listen to as a snob, but you've never heard it before. Mm -hmm. And at the time. (laughs) That was a hilarious one. I remember that.
2: That was hilarious. Night I fell in love.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at the time, my pick was Luther (laughs) Vanders. Oh, yeah. The Night I Fell in Love. lost his mind. (laughs) But I want to take that back. And uh, because, because uh, as we had talked about it, I had never heard, what it really was is that I had never heard the album completely. I'd never heard it in context, but there were many songs from it that I'd actually heard. So we I told you that
3: while that. We, we were sitting there. We were like, nah, it's no way possible. That was our point. It's yeah. like you had to have heard in some way, shape, or form, you had to have heard this album. But he didn't know
1: exactly what was on the album. He knew what right. uh, all the I've heard songs. I've heard the songs, but I didn't know, I, like like know like what, I didn't know, oh, I didn't know this was on this album. I didn't know this was on this album. You right. know, he, he's heard all the songs, but...
0: So I, w- I do want to take that back and, and actually submit resubmit an album that I have actually, even up to, I've resisted this morning <laughs> to not hear it so I could just be telling the absolute truth. I have never heard James Brown live at the Apollo. Hmm.
3: I was bracing myself because I, <laughs> I didn't know if some headphones were going to go flying.
1: No. no, I get that. I get it. Because of how old he is and at the time the album came out, I can, you know. Luther, he was born, and he's in. You know, he there's no excuse. There's no he excuse. Born. He was born. He was alive when he, he was, was born at on Earth. It. He come on here now, it's,
0: it's, Luther was no excuse. But it's regarded as one of the greatest live albums ever. One of the greatest albums ever. And um, I learned a little bit about it that uh, the album was released in 1963. It was personally funded by James Brown to to force the issue for King Records to release it. The, uh, the owner of King, and James Brown was at the time signed to a subsidiary of King Records called Federal. Um, the owner, a man by the name of Sid Nathan, never wanted to uh, record a live album. Primarily because at the time, James Brown and the famous Flames, which was the name of the group at the time. They had a very inconsistent singles record. Please Please Me would hit, some of the other ones wouldn't. You know, Night Train would hit, some of the other ones wouldn't. But after hearing, after JB, after Mr. Brown heard uh, a Ray Charles live album, um, he knew that this was something that he needed to do to advance his career because it just, he, he just knew his audience. He knew how how enthusiastic it would be, blah, 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 blah. blah. All right. So, turns out that the album was an instant hit. And and it firmly launched James Brown uh, as a as an act as a force. Uh,
2: <clears throat> just so to go a-
3: around the table real quick, have we all heard? I don't remember what yours, what you hadn't heard yet. I remember Jahan's was um, was it was it Bitches Brew? Right, Jahan was Correct. Bitches Brew. Have you heard that, Jay? Since nope. You still have not heard it.
2: Nope. Okay.
1: Mine it. was I think um, Nirvana.
0: Yeah, yours was never mind.
1: Never mind by Nirvana. Right? Still so have heard it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. no, you know. Heard, heard that I've heard, now. I've heard, I've heard it. I bought it for him. We we exchange. exchanged. <laughs> I, gave, I gave right. I gave him Luther. He gave me Nirvana. Right, right, right. Right. Now we did do that. You remember yours? Oh yeah. Um,
3: Maxwell's uh, Urban Hang Suite. Yes, I have heard it. That was it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Stevie.
1: I thought it was a Stevie mm-hmm. record. Oh no. Mm-mm.
3: It was Maxwell. I didn't
1: give it to you. I didn't buy it for you. Give it to you. okay.
3: It was Maxwell's okay. River Hang Suite because Jahan accused me of never been having been with a woman.
1: woman before. before, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yep, right, right, right. I remember that.
0: <laughs> 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 have any of you heard this album? I have not. James. Live, James? Of the, yes, I live at think, the I Apollo. Don't, I don't mean, Scoop I looking at me okay. like, like yeah, right. of course, he was listening I, to it on
3: his way here. <laughs> I don't. I don't
2: think I have. I may have, but I don't think I have. Uncle Scoop, do you have something? He's nodding,
1: and not because I disagree with what I said. <laughs> That's right. Oh God! <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> I, I was I was right bro. when I was own wrong. <laughs> no, well, you all understand. I was right, but it may if I. It was
3: it was reality that was
2: wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> so I'm hang not on, saying hang on, reality is so wrong. Hang on, reality, hang on, what hang, I hang said on. Hang on, like, hang on, hang on. Do you take it back or don't you take it back?
1: No, I. T- I no, the thing is, did you say take back or wish I wouldn't have said? It's two different things. <laughs> He said, he said, wish I wouldn't have said it. I'm not telling ta- I'm it needed to be no, said. You gotta
2: take it back. The whole point is take it back. You gotta take it back, bro. Now I'm not taking it. Then then, then I have nothing.
0: Wow. <laughs> All right, and that's a wrap. This has been the Music Snobs Podcast. We invite you to join us online at themusicsnobs.com. Subscribe to our shows in iTunes. And we're on Twitter. Handle is Total Music Snobs. See you next time.